I don't know if you're following along in our reading plan, but we gave these to you last week. If you didn't pick one of these up or you left it here or you missed last week, we began a reading plan together as a whole community for the month of January that we're reading through the gospel of Mark and we're reading one chapter every single day. And you guys, I'm doing it with you because it's been so awesome already, already. Like I was in Matthew six this week. So Matthew six was on what day? Uh, Wednesday or yesterday. What day is today? What's today? Is that today? Is today the 16th or is today the 17th? Thank you, Miss Cheryl. Nice try. It's the 17th. Thank you, Miss. You're always right. You're right. All right. All right. Yesterday, yesterday, go, Miss Cheryl. Yesterday, I was reading in Mark chapter six, and maybe some of you, maybe some of you, God just wants to say this one thing to you, and you'll miss everything else. But you maybe want to clue into this. Yesterday, I was reading uh, Mark chapter six, and there's this moment. There's this moment, and this is what I love about reading scripture. I've been reading scripture um, since I became a Christian. And I've told you this before, but when I started reading the Bible, that's when my relationship with God became real. It wasn't because of an awesome winter camp or summer camp I went to. It wasn't just because of the great Wednesday nights and being a part of churches that I, that I had the amazing privilege to be a part of. It was when I started actually reading the Bible for myself. It was when I started to dive in and say, my relationship with God is going to involve me to build it. It's going to involve me working at it. It's going to be, involve me participating in it. That when I did that, all of a sudden, God became real for me. And I was just thinking, I think there's some of you in this room who you, your, your faith, your faith is really not your faith, but it's your leader's faith. Or it's your parent's faith. Or it's your friend's faith. That maybe you come here because friends invite you. And, and I say this every week, we are so glad you're here. Or, or maybe you're interested in Jesus because your leader's interested in Jesus. And, and that's... That's a place to start, but that's not where God wants you to end up. That where God wants you to end up is where your relationship with him is not dependent on a leader or on a gathering or on a camp or on a high or a low, but your relationship with God is being built every single day as you spend time with him. And as I was reading Mark chapter six this week, there was this passage where um, Herod's wife, Herod's wife is uh, upset with John the Baptist because John the Baptist is telling them that their marriage is unlawful, that it's not okay for them to be together. And there's this one phrase that I'd never seen before, but I underlined it in my Bible. And it said, her name was Herodias, Herod's wife. It said, Herodias was nursing a grudge. She was nursing a grudge. And I felt like God said this to me. Grudges are not self-sustaining. Grudges are not self-sustaining. Grudges are nursed. What that means is that the grudges that you're holding, maybe some of you are holding a grudge against someone at school or someone in this room or someone else in your life, that holding a grudge is not, grudges aren't self-sustaining in our lives. They don't just happen, they are nursed, meaning we feed them meaning we participate in them, meaning we contribute to them. And as I was reading that, I said, you know what? In my life, I'm nursing some grudges. That there's some frustrations I have with people that instead of moving towards forgiving them and letting it go and trusting it with God, I am nursing it, I am keeping it alive. And so I just wanna encourage you, for me, I've been reading the Bible, I've been a Christian for like 18 years now. And over and over again, as I read the word, God's, God's message comes alive for me. And so if you haven't done this yet, if you haven't started yet, there's still time. We have a few more of these. Come and see me after tonight. Come and see me after tonight. Pick up this card. Start reading along with us. I promise you it's going to change your life. So we're going to jump into our time. And as we do, would you just hold your hands open and would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you that you 
by the power of your Holy Spirit, because of what Jesus has done on our behalf on the cross and in his resurrection, you are here with us tonight. God, I thank you that you love meeting up with your people, that you look forward to it, that, that it's, it's your passion, that you love to pursue your people at all costs, even when it resulted in your death. And God, I thank you that tonight is no different. I thank you that you know every single story of every single student in this room, and that tonight you want to speak to us you want to challenge us. You want to encourage us. So God, as we open your word, would you comfort, would you convict, and would you change us? Would you comfort us? Would you convict us? And would you change us? Would you comfort us? Would you convict us? And would you change us? In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Hey, if you're brand new with us tonight, if you're brand new with us tonight, we are so excited you're here. And in fact, we have a little gift for you. And so after tonight, after you're done hanging out with your small group leader, make sure you ask them, say, hey, where's that gift that Pastor Eric was talking about? They will get you one of these or I will get you one of these. But inside of it is a bunch of information. It's a cool moleskin for you to take notes in. And we also have a Starbucks coupon. We want to take you to Starbucks. All you got to do is text the number and we will buy Starbucks for you. We want to take you guys out. So thank you for all of you that are new. In fact, if you're, uh, if you're a regular tonight, could you give a round of applause for all the new people and let them know that we're glad they're here? Awesome. Awesome. We're so glad you're here. Okay, so tonight we're continuing a series that we launched last week that's going to go from January all the way through Feb February called Love IRL, Love in Real Life. We're talking about relationships. We're talking about God. We're talking about sex. We're talking about family. We're talking about friendships. We're talking about hooking up. We're talking about all kinds of different relationships that we find ourselves in. And here's why we're talking about it. Not because we want a lot of you here, but because those relationships matter to God. Because God hardwired you. We talked about this last week. God hardwired you to know him and for him to know you. He hardwired you. He wants a relationship with you. And so every other relationship in your life, he desires that it would be shaped by your first and primary relationship with him. And so each week we're going to jump into a different kind of relationship. And tonight the relationship that we're going to talk about is the relationship that you have with your parents or your grandparents or your guardian or whoever it is that you live with, whoever it is that is that parental figure in your life, we're going to talk about that relationship. And I can already see it in your faces. You're like, really? Like, really? We got to talk about my parents? Like, that's why I come here is to get away from my parents? No, we're talking about this relationship because you are around your parents or your guardians or your grandparents more than any other people in your life. That arguably, arguably, they have known you longer than anybody else in your life. And God has specific instructions for you on how to engage with your parents. And, and the two big ideas I want you to take away is this, is that your parents are worth listening to. And I know even as I say that, you're like, Eric, you don't understand. I mean, they're so old, right? Like they have gray hair more than you do, Eric. Like the little things that you see on my side, like they have tons of it. You know what I mean? And you're like, no, my, they, they wear the weirdest clothes, you know, or they just don't understand me. Whatever your excuse is. Whatever your reason for why you don't listen to your parents, I'm going to tell you, and I think at the end of tonight, you're going to believe this, that your parents are worth listening to. And then the second thing I want you to take away from tonight is this. Obeying them benefits you. Obeying them benefits you. Your parents are worth listening to, and obeying them benefits you. Now, 
Before we cue a video, so hold off on the video, guys. How many of you have ever heard of an optical illusion? Everyone know what an optical, what's an optical, everyone knows what an optical illusion. Okay, so an optical illusion, an optical illusion is when you look at something and as you look at it, you think you have it figured out. You think you have it pegged. You think you completely understand it. But then if you hang in there long enough, if you watch close enough, if you're willing to focus, if you're willing to stay engaged, the whole point of the optical illusion is that you get completely surprised because what you thought was going on, because what you thought you saw was radically different from what was actually going on. I want that to be kind of an analogy for how you think about your relationship with your parents. I wonder if as your parents sit down to talk to you, or as you interact with your parents, you're absolutely convinced they don't get you. And I've got one takeaway for tonight at the very end, a challenge for you, but we're gonna get there in a second. But maybe you just think, man, my parents just don't get me at all. They don't understand me. I, 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 don't, I don't even understand exactly what they're saying. Like an optical illusion, if you will stay focused, if you will zone in, if, if you will pay attention, I believe your parents have far more to offer you than you give them credit for. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna watch a video that I found. It's a video of like, I think it's 10 different amazing optical illusions. Mel, can we keep the lights on? Because I want to keep the lights on in the house because some of them, some of them, actually all of them, you're going to experience. Whether it's looking on the screen or maybe it's partnering with somebody next to you, it's going to move kind of quick. So I want you to play along with it and your mind is going to be blown by these optical illusions. And then we're going to jump into our passage tonight. So are you guys ready to watch this video? All right, check it out. Check it out. straw on the left looks much smaller than the one on the right. Can we turn it up a little In bit? In reality, they're exactly the same size. What? Take a look at this drawing and see if you can count the number of grey dots. As you try to focus on the grey dots, they'll vanish right in front of your eyes. Ask someone to put their hands together and then extend their two first fingers. Have them keep their first fingers around about an inch apart. Now gently circle around their fingers, asking them to imagine a loop of thread becoming tighter circle and tighter. Amazingly, their fingers will drift together. What? The lines in this grid are parallel to one another. Mel, can we turn it up a little bit? Volume? If you move some of the rows to the side, the lines suddenly seem to slant up and down. In reality, they're still exactly parallel. The red shape and the black shape look completely different. They're exactly the same size. Ask someone to hold their hand against yours, and then using the thumb and first finger of their other hand to stroke the two first fingers. They will feel as if their first finger is completely numb. Take a look at this drawing. It appears to be a rabbit looking to your right, or a duck looking to the left. It will keep flipping between the rabbit and the duck as your brain tries to figure out what's going on. Take a look at the two squares that the black arrowheads are pointing to. The top square looks much darker than the lower one. This illusion is created by the areas surrounding each square. This is simply a piece of paper with two holes cut out, but it allows us to mask off the surroundings. And suddenly you can see that the squares are indeed identical. The piece of paper marked A looks much bigger than the piece of paper marked B. However, put B below A and now B looks larger. Amazingly, in reality, they're exactly the same size. Now stare at the centre of the spiral. Don't 
take your eyes off the centre of the spiral. Keep on staring at the spiral. Keep staring at the centre of the spiral. And now look at the back of your hand. Do you guys see it moving? You guys, you guys, all right, here's the thing, here's the thing. I watched, I watched like hundreds of these videos, okay? Like I am all about optical illusions right now. I'm on this optical illusion fix right now. Here's the thing, here's the thing. Don't miss the analogy here. Here's the analogy, here's the analogy. That with each one of those optical illusions, you looked at it and you initially made a judgment. You initially made an assessment. You initially said, I know exactly what's going on here. But then, because you were willing to hang with it, because you were willing to, to stay, all of a sudden, something you didn't foresee happening, all of a sudden, something that wasn't clear in the beginning became clear. And I'm going to ask you, I think maybe sometimes as students, I experienced this too, I remember experiencing this, that when it would come time to have conversations with my parents, it was just so easy for me to just kind of tune them out and just say, I'm done with them. But I want you to think of your parents as maybe they have something to offer you that might surprise you. They may have something to share with you that might change your mind and change your heart. Well, let's see what the scriptures has to say about our parents. Find me in Ephesians chapter six. Open to Ephesians chapter six. Ephesians chapter six. Maybe as you're asking this question, how and why are my parents worth listening to? Or how and why does obeying them benefit me? I wanna give you three reasons real quick. Three reasons that your parents are worth listening to and why obeying them actually benefits you. Big idea number one, we've got pens underneath the tables or underneath the chairs if you wanna get those. Big idea number one is this. Big idea number one is this, is that it pleases Jesus. It pleases Jesus. Why, are your parents, why and how are your parents worth listening to? Why and how is obeying them gonna benefit you? Ultimately, ultimately, why should we have a great relationship with our parents? Is because it pleases Jesus. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 says this. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, there, there's another passage that Paul writes about in Colossians chapter 3. So Paul, he wrote both of these different letters, but he wrote them to two different groups. He wrote to the group in Ephesus, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Notice that phrase, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. But check out what Colossians chapter three, verse 20 says. Colossians chapter three, verse 20 says this. Children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. I don't know if you saw the distinction there, but, but in Ephesians, in Ephesians, he says, obey your parents in the Lord. And in his letter in Colossians, he says, obey your parents in everything. Here's some interesting historical information. A lot of scholars believe that the reason in the book of Ephesians, he says, obey your parents in the Lord versus in Colossians, he says, obey your parents in everything is because the community that he was writing to in Colossians was largely made up of Christians. It was largely made up of believers. And so Paul assumed as he was writing to that group of believers, that, that their parents would be acting in faithful ways, that their parents would have loved God. And so the ways in which they would have been leading and parenting their kids was honoring and glorifying to God. And so Paul could easily say, children, kids, students, obey your parents 
in everything because this pleases the Lord. But then in the book of Ephesians, in the book of Ephesians, scholars think that there was enough newer converts and that maybe there were even some young people coming to faith whose parents didn't love Jesus. And so on that version in Ephesians, can we go back there, guys? In Ephesians chapter six, verse one, he says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. What I think Paul's saying here is your job, and one of the ways it pleases Jesus is when you and I obey our parents, even if we don't like what they're saying, as long as it doesn't contradict scripture. That God's desire is that you and I would obey our parents, that we would listen to them, that we would follow them, that when our parents tell us to do something, when they say, hey, no more phones, or when they say, hey, you're going to youth group, or when they say, hey, I want you here for our family dinner, or we need you to sit down for this experience we're about to have, or whatever it may be, that as long as the instruction your parents are giving you does not contradict scripture, does not put you in harm, that your job, your job is to obey them. But I want you to connect this dot, because maybe some of you are going, man, it just seems so lame. Well, here's what's awesome is that scripture says when we obey our parents it's not just about obeying them but it's actually one of the ways we worship God and we all sat here and sang and just had an amazing moment and and hands were raised and all of us were feeling I mean, we had the Holy Spirit feels it's just awesome in this place but did you know did you know that God God cares just as much about you singing in this place and you taking notes and you opening your small groups as he does about you obeying your parents. You guys, I, I'm a parent of three kids and they're not teenagers. They're not teenagers. They're little. And it blesses my heart so much. Like when Brindley, like the other day, Brindley said this to me, no joke, no joke. I was like, Brindley, sit down. We're having dinner as a family. Sit here. And Brindley said this to me. She literally looked at me and she goes, dad, are you seriously going to tell me that right now? And then she stormed up. She's three and a half, you guys. That's like your status. You know what I mean? That's like she's learning from you guys, okay? She goes, dad, are you really telling me to do that right now? And she storms up to her room as a three and a half year old. I mean, I, I'm, I'm telling you, parenting right now is hard. And I talked to some of your parents, and guess what? It's hard. Parenting is hard, and it's challenging. And, and some of you, some of you are going to have kids someday. Some of you are going to have kids someday. Maybe a lot of you will have kids someday. And you're going to realize parenting is hard. But you know that one of the ways you bring peace to your home, and one of the ways you please your creator, is when you and I choose to do something that honors him that is difficult for us. That whenever you and I choose to do something that honors him and is difficult for us, he is pleased. I mean, some things that we do that honor him are, are easy and they're amazing, but you know what? If you were anything like me, this idea of obeying your parents and listening to your parents, man, that's hard. That's really, really hard. But God in his word says that when you and I choose to obey our parents in the Lord, that means when we obey to them, as long as what they're telling us to do isn't contradicting scripture, and as long as what they're, as long as what they're doing is not harming us, that you and I's job is to obey them. Well, I was thinking from your perspective and from my perspective, what do we do when our parents are wrong about something? And maybe you've been there because you're the experts, right? I mean, you're the experts, right? 
And you're like, dude, I know my parents are wrong. I mean, no, they're absolutely wrong on this. What do you do? And maybe, maybe you've thought about that before. Well, if, if we're called to obey our parents, what do we do when we feel like, and at this age, when you get into a normal place and you go, you know, I just feel like my parents are in the wrong, I want to give you four steps. And I want to encourage you to not jump these steps, but to follow these steps. First, first one is this. When you feel like maybe your parents are in the wrong or, or you feel like a conversation didn't go the way you want it to go or, or you want to talk further about something, here's the first thing I want you to do. I want you to pray and I want you to write this down. I want you to pray this prayer. God, align my heart with yours. God, would you align my heart with yours? Sometimes when we say that prayer, I think God is going to change our heart. I think he's going to say, hey, you're upset at your parents because you really want to go hang out with that person, but you shouldn't be hanging out with them and your parents know better. And so I'm going to line, you my, I'm going to line your heart with mine and I'm going to change you. Or maybe your parents, let's just say your parents are in the wrong and maybe you're wanting to go after them and you're wanting to really lash out at them. I think when God aligns your heart with his heart, he's going to give you more compassion and empathy. So step one, when you feel like your parents are in the wrong, first thing I want you to do is I want you to pray. And say, God, align my heart to yours. I don't need to get you on my team. I need to be on your team. And so, God, align my heart to yours. Second, second step is this. I want you to gather your thoughts. I, I think so much, I, I hear this all the time. Sometimes, wow, I almost fell. Um, sometimes I hear this. That students just blow up on their parents. And I get it. And you're angry and you're frustrated about something. But before you blow up on somebody, before, especially your parents, Take some time to gather your thoughts. This means write down some idea. Write, write down what you're feeling. Write down what you're thinking. Write down what it is that you actually want to say to them. Step three is this. I want you to schedule a time to talk with them. And this is not when they're super busy or it's really late at night or it's a bad time for them or a bad time for you. Find a good time, sit down with them, and I want you to talk and I want you to listen. I want you to talk and I want you to listen. I want you to talk, and I want you to listen. This means that as you're talking with your parents about the thing you're frustrated about, that you're also willing to listen to them. You're willing to hear it from their perspective, because maybe, maybe like an optical illusion, you're not seeing the full picture. You're not seeing everything the way you need to see it, and maybe they can give you some clarity. And then the last thing, last thing, if, if, if there's just some major conflict between you and your parents, and it doesn't seem like anything can get worked out, we as the church would love to partner with you. And so I would encourage you to either reach out to me, reach out to a small group leader, reach out and, and, and let's help with that. You, you see, we, we so badly want you to have really healthy, great relationships with your parents, because we think you listening to them will ultimately benefit you. That if there's a conflict or if there's some kind of issue, then I want to encourage you and I want to challenge you. Reach out and let us help you. Last point to this, it pleases Jesus. True obedience to God looks like obedience to your parents. The true obedience to Jesus will ultimately lead to you being obedient to your parents. You see, sometimes as, as Christians, we can think, Man, what I do on Wednesday nights or what I do on Sunday mornings or what I do at camp, that experience I have is isolated from the rest of my life. And Jesus would very loudly and clearly want to say to you, no, that's not the case, that they are connected. That what I am doing in your life on Wednesday night, how I am changing you and transforming you, how I am shaping you into my image ought to spill over into every area of your life. This is why we're doing this series. 
Because how you date somebody should look and be shaped by your relationship with Jesus. How you interact with your friends should be seeped in the reality that God has loved you and created you and you have value and worth, not because of what they say about you, but because of what he says about you. That who you are, who you are right now, is not, it's not how many friends you have, how many relationships you've been in, how much skills you have, but it's that you have a creator God who loves you and knows you and wants you to know him. And so true obedience to Jesus will result in you and I being obedient to our parents. So first big idea, it pleases Jesus. Second big idea is this, it is ultimately for your good. It's ultimately for your good. Um, Check out what Ephesians chapter six, verse two and three says. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Paul is throwing back to a few thousand years before this. When God spoke to Moses and said, here are the 10 commandments, here are the guidelines, here here are the principles, here is how I want my people to live their lives. And one of them is honor your mother and father. And it's a promise. it's, It's a commandment that comes with a promise. And the promise is this that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Honor your mother and father. I think the bigger principle here is that when you and I choose to honor, the the word honor in, in the Greek language, in the original text that this was written in, it means to ascribe value. It means to give worth. It means to set a price. It means that this, this, this thing that you're doing, this thing that you're honoring actually means something to you. It's not just kind of a, a numb response because a pastor told you to do something. Or it's, it's, not a, it's not a checklist that you're, that you're clicking off. No, no, this is a way of living where, where as you enter into conversations with your parents, you're recognizing that they are valuable that they are children of God, that he loves them and cares for them. It is our job to actually honor them. And the bigger principle here is that when we choose to do that, more often than not, peace is brought in the home. I remember um, when I was in junior high, my life was a train wreck. I've told many of you this before. I was keeping so many secrets from my family. I was drinking I was smoking, I was engaging in relationships with girls, I was running out of the house, I was doing all kinds of stuff. And you know what was horrible about that? Is that while I was engaging in all of that stuff, do you know what it was doing in my heart? It was darkening my heart. It was destroying me. It was creating anger. It was creating distance. That as I was lying to my parents and keeping secrets, it was ruining the family. And I remember on, on one occasion, my, my dad sat me down and he had tears in his eyes, tears in his eyes. And he said, Eric, like what, what, whatever's going on with you, it's hurting all of us. He said, Eric, like our family is a mess right now. And I realized for the first moment that my actions, that what I was doing was actually hurting me and it was hurting our family. That there was a lack of peace 
and unity and joy and life in our family because of the sin that I was engaging in. You see, when you and I choose to honor our parents, that is ultimately for our good and our flourishing. And you've had those moments, maybe with your own family, or maybe you've been around other families, where you just feel alive, where you just feel fun and joy and freedom. And to whatever extent you can, I wanna challenge you to help create that in your families. Check out what Proverbs, Proverbs chapter one, verse eight and nine, it says this. They are a garland to grace around your net, around your head and a chain to adorn. I think verse eight. Is there a verse eight there, guys? There you go. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Let's go back to that next verse. For they are a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. What the, what the proverb writer is saying is that the instructions that our parents give us, the teaching they give us, the guidance they give us, that they are so valuable, that they're like the, the, the coolest bling. They're like the best outfit. They're, they're the thing that you go, man, this is so important, this is so valuable, this is so good for me. Your parents' wisdom and instruction is just like that. And the last thing, the last thing I want you to do, I want you to sort of write down when it comes to this point of it's ultimately for your good is as you walk into every interaction with your parents, I want you to assume something and I want you to act in a certain way. I want you to assume this, that as you talk with your parents about any issue you have, I want you to assume that they are not out to get you. I want you to assume that they are not out to get you. And then I want you to act, I want you to act in a way that opens conversation. I want you to assume that they're not out to get you and I want you to act in a way that opens conversation. This means, this means, and you guys, can I just, can I get all eyes on me real quick, all eyes on me because I see this all the time. When you're around your parents, take out your headphones. No more headphones when you're around your parents. I can't imagine, and if my kids do that, you don't want to say to them, I'm going to be like, bro, your mom birthed you. Get your headphones out. You know what I mean? Like your mom literally brought you into this world. Take those headphones out and talk. So I don't know what like distractions you have and I don't know, I don't know what your thing is or maybe as you get in the car, you just, you, you try to get as few words out as possible. I want you to assume, I want you to assume that your parents are not to get you and I want you to act in a way that opens conversation because I know this to be true of your parents. They desperately want to connect with you. They desperately want to know you. They desperately want to love you. They desperately want to be in relationship with you. So help them help them. And the last big idea is this, that God is ultimately using them to train you up. Big idea is that God is ultimately using them to train you up. Ephesians chapter six, verse four finishes it this way. Fathers, so parents, mothers, fathers, parents, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Do not exasperate your children. The first thing he says is parents be a model to your children. So, so for any of us, and for any of us leaders or me, this is convicting for me because this is what our job is as a parent. And sometimes as parents, we get really, really confused about what our job is. In fact, a lot of times in our culture right now, we think our job as parents is to give our students and give our kids every single financial opportunity, every single travel opportunity, every single sports opportunity, every single extracurricular opportunity to literally jam pack their schedules with so many opportunities. That's what we think successful parenting is. That is not biblically what successful parenting is. Successful parenting is this. It is modeling for your kids what it means to follow Jesus 
It is training them, meaning giving them opportunities to follow Jesus, and it is teaching them about who he is and what it means to follow him. Biblically, this is what successful parenting is. So write this down for like 20 years from now when you have kids. You'll still have this note. That'd be awesome. Write this down. That your job as a parent is not to give them every opportunity in the world. Your job as a parent, how you know that this is what God longs for you to do as a parent is this. To model for them what it means to follow Jesus. To train them, meaning let them go out on the court of faith. Allow them to learn what it means to love Jesus and to love people. And then teach them about him. And teach them what it means to follow him. That is successful parenting. That is what we're called to do. And when I read that, for me, honestly, I had this huge sigh of relief. So I realized my job primarily, and it doesn't mean we don't put our kids in sports. It doesn't mean that we don't give our kids extra activities. And all of you have those things. And that's absolutely amazing. But my primary job as the, as the father to Charlie, Brinley, and Lila, my primary job is this, to model for them what it means to follow Jesus, to train them and give them experiences to follow him and serve him. That means being involved in church, being involved in community. And lastly, my job is to teach them about Jesus. And what I love is every single one of our adult leaders who is a parent is living this out. So I could go around and I could look at every single one of our adult leaders who's a parent and say, this is what they've prioritized. This is what they've decided that they as parents will model, train, and teach their kids about Jesus. So here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. I think one of the main reasons you have a disconnected relationship with your parents, if you do, I think one of the main reasons you have a disconnected relationship with your parents is because you, would, you feel like they don't understand you. And so on your, ta- or on your chair, there's a takeaway card. Can you pick up the takeaway card for me real quick and flap it around for a second? There we go. Okay. If you'll notice, it just says this one prompt on it. It just says this. I want you to know this about me. I want everyone to close their eyes real quick. And with your eyes closed, with your eyes closed, I want you to think about this for a second. What is it about you Yet you're, that you're convinced your parents don't understand. What is it about you that you think they don't get? What is it about you that they just don't know? What is it about you that you feel like if they knew this about me, like at a deep level, if they knew this about me, it would radically change our relationship? I wonder right now what ideas are coming to your mind. With your eyes closed, so you can just focus, so you can just think for a second. I want to challenge you to do two things. The first one's easy, the second one's hard. I want you to tonight write down what you would want your parents to know about you. What's that one thing that maybe they don't know about you? Maybe it's an interest of yours that you're like, they just don't even know this about me. Or maybe it's, a hurt that you carry or maybe it's something in your past or maybe it's a fear I don't know what it is but what I want you to do is tonight I want you to think about what is that one thing that you want your parents to know about you and tonight I want you to write it down in there that's the first thing that's the easy part 
Here's the hard part. I'm gonna challenge you. I'm gonna challenge you to tonight or tomorrow, share this with your parents or your guardian or your grandparent. I'm gonna challenge you to say, hey mom or dad or both or grandparent or guardian, I, I need to share something with you. I want you to know this about me. And then maybe you'll share with them why, why you want them to know that about you. I think though, I think that many of you in this room feel a sense of, man, my parents just don't get me. And maybe tonight you'd be bold enough to write something down and maybe tonight or tomorrow you'd be even bold enough to share that with your parents. And maybe, just maybe, your relationship with your parents would become something more than it is right now. Why should we do that? Because it pleases Jesus. It is for our good. And God is using our parents to train and raise us up. So I'm gonna pray for us. And I want you to take that card with you. And tonight I want you to write down what you want them to know. And I want to challenge you to share with them. And then let your small group leader and let me know how that goes. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, in this room are a bunch of students that I love and that I care for and that I see you working in powerful ways in their lives. And a topic like this, man, relationships with parents is just hard. It's just hard, Lord. I ask that we would be bold enough, that we'd be honest enough, that we'd be vulnerable enough to write down what it is that we want them to know and then we would be courageous enough to actually share this with our parents. And maybe, maybe, God, you want us to just share with our parents for the first time us saying to them, I love you. I mean, maybe we just haven't said that. Maybe it's something really good that we've, that we've not shared before. Or maybe it's something deep and painful and hard and challenging. So God, would you help us to be bold to write it down and even bolder to share it with our parents. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen, amen. Hey, before you